0: Appreciate you listening today. Uh, We've got a great interview for you with Damien Lake of Newton Valley Excavating. Damien operates right here in my hometown of Victoria, British Columbia, and he's a younger fellow, very ambitious. He's making a lot of big moves right now, and we're excited to talk with him. Damien, how are you doing?
1: Hey, I'm doing well, Mike. I'm happy to be here and happy to chat.
0: Glad to have you here. So Damien, uh, to start out, tell us a little bit about you and your business. How'd you get started? Uh, what kind of equipment are you running? Uh, just, just kind of a broad overview of uh, what you're doing
1: um i started uh kind of in the industry not that long ago really it would have been about uh trying to trying to do the math it seems well really 2023 probably about eight years ago uh worked for one of the local municipalities uh, in the public work sector and i, I kind of got to touch a lot of a good a good variety of uh heavy equipment related jobs um i i sort of saw a bit of everything i was around utility installs we were around the roads department doing all the uh civil sidewalks uh some of the street lighting catch basins we were out doing some of the deeper main work we did a lot of restoration parks work um kind of all following the the heavy equipment trend um and i sort of saw when i was there that you know what what uh all these guys sort of had something on the side something a little extra something they had a skill at that uh they were always doing to make a little bit extra cash and and those were the guys that were getting ahead um, the guys that were just working 40 hours a week, you know, they paid their bills and they lived life, but, uh, they didn't maybe have that, uh, you know, maybe a bit bigger of a house or, or the ability to sort of move up and, and have their own shop or, uh, maybe live a little more comfortably and, and it really drawed my attention. So, um, something I kind of followed through when I was there on was, uh, sort of realized that, uh, you know, these little machines were, were tying all those jobs together. So, you know, the, the landscape guys were working with the excavators, the concrete guys were working with the excavators, the pipe layers were working with the excavators, um, you know, you you, you name it. Um, there was a machine on these jobs and being used. So I sort of saw that as, well, you know, if I can uh, if I can get a little mini and, and kind of do a little variety of work and work with all these guys and, and do a little bit of what I know uh, might be a good thing for me to stay busy with. And, and I, I just loved it. I, I was doing it. Every weekend, every evening, um, I was learning lots. I was getting challenged lots. I was getting lots of lots of good variety, which is kind of the big one for me. is is really the variety. I couldn't imagine just uh, sitting digging a hole every single day and just turning and burning. It's just uh, it's, it's just not for me. Um, I couldn't imagine doing the same thing every day, even just working for for sort of someone who just did driveways or just planted trees or just dug water lines. Um, you know, the the repetitiveness gets to you a bit. So this variety really attracted me. Um, I, the equipment was enjoyable, just kind of everything about it uh, was really enjoyable. And I sort of followed through on that. I, I had left my um city job and and decided to work for myself and, and sort of had to go at it trying to build off of the relationships i had and, and in our town you know we have a good strong local market and a lot of people want to support the local guys the small guys the uh everything like that so so there was a good supporting start um i sort of saw some challenges where i there was lots of areas of the industry in the private sector versus the public sector that i didn't know Um, and I was lucky enough to have some sort of big brother companies to work with, to get some guidance, to get work. Um, you know, lots, lots of little things. There's quite a few companies around here. I was able to work with while I was doing my own thing and have that, uh, we'll call it big brother umbrella, um, you know, guidance, mentorship, um, just, just a bit of everything. Um, and that could have been work that could have been personal. Um, and those are, those are very important. Those are very important relationships, especially Mm -hmm. for a small guy who's, who's starting off, uh, you know from scratch um so so all that's worth its weight in gold in itself um and that sort of allowed me to, to take a couple bigger jumps and sort of try and run that business uh full time full time get a bit of a bigger machine and and sort of commit to having a couple guys um so so we run a, a small crew we've got a couple guys aboard um we kind of specialize in in finishing work we try and chase after sort of a detailed excavation the fine grading for driveways the landscape um we have a pretty good labor crew, so we're sort of able to step up and, and sort of compete, uh, you know, if something is not necessarily just equipment as guys who are able to you know do some form work, do some planting, uh, do the pipe laying installs and um, concrete finishing and placing and, and sort of work as a variety, um, which I think kind of creates a bit of a niche for us in a way. Um, still lots of competition across the board, um, in that realm, but it's, it's something where we, we just enjoy. And at the end of the day, when you enjoy it, it's, it's, that's, that's the main thing. So, um, we, we mm-hmm. run two machines, two mid-sized machines. We sort of stay in the rubber track range. We've got a six ton excavator and a 10 ton excavator. And, um, we, we sort of enjoy that, uh, keeps us out of the bigger stuff. Uh, like I said, I really don't have any interest in, in just digging a big hole, uh, loading trucks, blasting, uh, peckering, you know, there's a huge side to the industry that, uh, just, just doesn't appeal to us. Uh, we really like the the smaller stuff uh, falls in mostly residential, a lot of, a lot of little civil and, and commercial things like that. Um, but they're, they're a good variety. They're very enjoyable. Um, and, and they're sort of somewhere that we, we think we have a bit of a niche. Um, you know, we, we can handle these jobs start to finish, uh, whether that's mm-hmm. you needed a new sidewalk or uh, septic system or, or anything in between like that. Um, and, and once again, so, it's just that variety.
0: So at this point, you've uh you've been in it a couple years you kind of touched on this but in a little bit more detail what are your bread and butter jobs like what type of work are you doing you mentioned detailed excavation um fine grading finish grading um i know that you have talked about uh, ponds and water features in the past uh you like the variety but what kind of jobs are are keeping you anchored right now what's what's your bread and butter work
1: Um, It's tough to say for us because I don't think it's necessarily one um, category of work in the sense of landscape or concrete. Um, You know, generally what we we get is we get the the tight spaces, um, usually tricky access, usually slow access, uh, maybe more labor. It could be strategic with bins and buggies, um, you know, things like that. They tend to be more challenging than just having an operator show up and sort of there's a machine for a day, uh, we, we tend to be a little more independent on these jobs. So some of those jobs tend to fall into, you know, we, we get a lot of bread and butter that are that are tricky septics, uh, a lot of septic systems that just have tight access, tricky slopes, bad base, um, you know, strategic uh, a geoscience. So just, you know, where to put the drains here, so your, your uphill drains, your bottom drains, and how do the key slopes work? And uh, a lot of residential knowledge as well, because that's what these, all these systems are based off of. So you kind of have to factor in building code and how things tie in, whether that's uh, you're next to a driveway or you're working around patios, or there's future landscape or construction plans. Um, you know, sort of in that area, we, we do like uh, water features. Uh, hard to say that's a bread and butter we there's such a large project and there's such a specific thing um you know we sort of get one annually that's a pretty large project and and we like to stay busy with and we definitely like to chase them um but once again kind of that more finishing work so that kind of falls into a bit of landscape that tends to be the tidy up and some of the planting um as, as well as just overall grading so i'd say that grading we, we find ourselves doing driveway preps, uh, tricky yards. We find ourselves doing a lot of tricky backfills um, and just big detailed slope. So that could just be a large, maybe it's 20,000 square foot of yard that you're trying to get a light swale on and, and very minor detail work. We can sort of stay on top of that. Um, so once again, you know, it's not necessarily just a category of work like that landscape or you know just just concrete. It, mm-hmm. it sort of falls into maybe these more tricky. Like I said, they're a little more labor intensive. There might be some wheelbarrowing. There's some really tight spaces. You might need to uh, be be taking out carport supports and and temporarily putting beams up and things like that. And and a little more challenging than just uh, just just having an equipment operator show up. You know, there's there's a lot of jobs where. You know, you can just hire a machine and operator and say, Hey, I need a trench from here to there, and and that's that. And we can't necessarily compete on all those jobs um, because we're set up to do a bit more than that. So we have to charge a bit more than that. So where we would shine is is where you, you know, an operator's going to say, Well, I can't dig under there. You got to hire someone to do this, and you got to hire someone to do that. And then I'll come back and do this. We can just sort of handle that all in house. Um, So it sort of allows us to sort of chase after, you know, these more challenging
0: jobs. So it sounds like you guys are targeting the work that other contractors either don't want or maybe in some cases are are not uh not able to take on exactly exactly and and that that allows you to work
1: with your competition instead of against them so a lot of the guys around um you know it might be more more challenging because maybe you're competing let's say we're we're removing a patio in a backyard and uh, you're competing against the local concrete guy well he might be used to doing those um he might be used to having those tight spaces and used to doing these little patios so um, your your pricing would be pretty tight and and he he could win those jobs but when you start looking at other companies that someone says we need an excavator in here and all they are is an excavator um, you know they say well we can't you know we're not the guys to take down the fence we're not the guys to rebuild the fence uh, we're not the guys to you know, fine grade for your concrete. We're not the guys to pour your concrete. Um, all of a sudden, you know, they're they're no longer your competition, and they're working, looking to work with you or sort of trade work. So once again, um, there's a lot of lot of different avenues in the heavy equipment world and and excavation and. Um, we, we find that, you know, a lot of the other companies that we're, we're competing with, we're still working with, um, you know, we don't want the big digs, we don't want the big blasting or the peckering and things like that. So we're able to always pass that along to someone else who's local and help them with that. And, you know, somewhere down the line that's usually returned, it's usually, hey, this is a job that's not, not set up for us. You want to give these guys a call and, and it's, it goes full circle. Um, so it allows us, sure. once again, to sort of find, find a good niche for us. Um, That's a lot less competition. You know, the, in, in this town, if you were, if if you're bidding on a a big hole, everyone's bidding on that big hole. Um, a lot of these jobs, you know, we we get recommended on, and, and and I'd say not all of them, but I I wouldn't be surprised if if you know maybe 20% of some of the work we get is from other excavation companies saying, you know, we're not set up for this. Call these guys.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you said something really interesting and something that I think is really key work with the competition instead of against them. Especially when you're new in business, you know, you see in in all businesses, people come out guns blazing, uh, you know, we're the best pick us. Uh, You can get so much more work and be so much more successful by working with people, you know, call around, ask for mentorship, ask to work with people. You know, there's a lot of contractors out there who have work to literally just give away. And if you can get on the right side of that equation, you can find success a hell of a lot faster than you will by working against them.
1: One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And there's, there's, like I said, it's, it's very broad. It's very, um, it, it's there's so much to it. And when, especially when it comes to equipment, there's a million different sizes. You know, you look at Cat, and they've got a machine in every half ton size, if not every ton. You know, they've got a half ton, one ton one and a half, two, so on, so on, up till 10. And then it starts jumping from 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 up, you know, and and just keeps going. Um, So there's literally a machine for sort of every application and you can't always have the machine that's ideal for that job. So you might be in a position where um, you run all the big stuff and you've got a lucrative uh, patio job, but it means renting a mini, it means doing all this sort of stuff you might find it more beneficial to say, hey, you know, uh, Damien Lake's a good owner operator. I'm gonna give him a call and hire him hourly, knowing that I'll still make good money, but I don't have to go rent the machine. I don't have to take one of my guys that's off another job or maybe one of my guys just quit and I'm short-handed. And now now you have this extra set of hands that, that works with you and not against you. Um, you know, it's something that's quite common for us. There's lots of, lots of other owner operators that we hire out because we don't necessarily have that big machine that we just need for two days on a job. You know, we're putting a septic tank in, you hit the hardest rock in the world, and, um, it's not going to cut it on a 50, 50 size machine. You got to bring in a 145 Mm -hmm. or a 200 with a hammer. Um, you know, you can't just buy that machine for every job and you can't necessarily rent it. You could make it, uh, make it so you you can't compete. So um, if you kind of have some buddies or, you know, other guys that you can recommend and, you know, bring in, and uh, especially if if you're not kind of competing for the same jobs, you know, you might be bringing this guy in with a 200 breaker and that's all he does all day. So, you know, he's not going to try and, uh, you know, chat, chat up the septic guy and, and get more work off you, or he's not going to be out there drinking beers in mm-hmm. the concrete guy, trying to get all his patio work and, and sort of taking food from your table. There's, there's a lot that you can, you can share and go around. Um, so, so it's very important to have those relationships, especially in this kind of industry. Um, cause you, you yeah. can't have it all. So, um, you, you sort of got to pick and choose and you can't compete with everybody. So it's better to work with
0: them than, than against them. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah so that kind of leads me into my next question about how you started so we're going back to the very beginning i know you've been in business for a few years now but um curious what year you got started and how did you get your first few jobs so when you first decided this is it we're going out we're going to be newton valley excavating um did you have work from the get-go like when you first started did you have jobs lined up or how, how did that kind of come together you know back back in the beginning what year did you start and how did that all launch off i bought my first machine may 4th 2017
1: um there was a lot of lead up to it there was a lot of research on it there was you know i i went around um you know i'd stop in at job sites and and shoot the shit with guys and say hey what you know what do you think of this machine what do you what do you like about it what don't you like about it and that could be anyone from someone running 200 to 75 to 17 35. Um, you know, the reason I ended up with my 17 was I was looking at for 35. So everyone was sort of saying that's the do it all size. And I pulled in and and talked to a local contractor, uh, Raj with Raptor excavating and, um, he was running a 35 and I said, Hey, what do you think this machine, I I wanted to buy one. I want to do something on the side and, uh, everyone's sort of saying this size. And he said, you know what, it's great machine, but you should buy a 17. If that's what you want to do, um, you're going to be able to move it around yourself, you can put it in a dump trailer. It'll be a lot less work on your one ton. Um, they're significantly less than these thirty fives. You're going to charge close to the same. And if you're, you know, just the weekends and evenings guys, you know, keep, keep, it'll work well for you. Uh, you'd be blown away at what these little machines can do. And and I I ended up going out to thinning and I gave him a call and I said Raj Raj, uh, Raj recommended a a seventeen. I'd like to try one out. And uh, Raj called me up and said I'm trading in my trailer too. Maybe you can get a good deal on it. And um, you know, so I I ended up getting a package deal on on this dump trailer and machine um and and by that point you know a few months had gone by there's lots of talk about it i was chatting with lots of people about it and everyone sort of knew i was taking that jump to it so um you know there was there was lots of little little jobs lined up lots of people that just needed small little stuff and uh lots of places for me to to just practice i mean i, I at that point i never ran a machine I had very very little experience uh buddy had taught me a little bit um just the basics just enough to get going um, but that was it. It was it was all new to me, and I had to learn. So you sort of had to take on jobs that you know you could be learning on. So I remember the first few jobs I had were digging out brush piles, or or scraping blackberries, or pulling stumps. And uh, you know a lot of these jobs you're learning on. So you're discounting, or they you know take four times as long as they would take me right now because you're you're still learning. But you can't charge for that because you know why why would I pay you if you took four times as long an hourly rate when Damien you know senior could have come in and, and done it for you know, in a quarter of the time at the same rate. Um, So you you have to factor a lot of that in. So as it was a weekends and evenings thing, it was enough money coming in to cover the cost of the trailer, cover the cost of the truck and the machine, Um, you know, and keep things simple. You're you're not at a point where you have huge insurance costs, huge liability costs, huge, you know, admin things. These are all just light weekend jobs. so they they sort of line up and and, as the word gets out, more and more things happen. and And I usually found that one job led to another. You do a job for somebody, and they recommend you to their friend, and all of a sudden, you're popping over because uh, I did a good job for Mike, and Mike said, "Oh, well, your septic's done. You, you should call my buddy." And then once again, that leads to the next. Um, so I, it was all word of mouth. Um, it was all just through the community. I knew I sort of grew up in the community. I knew a lot of people in the community. I knew a lot of people who were in need of this sort of work, uh, just growing up through 4-H and, and sort of more of the farming side of things and agriculture and, you know, people who had land and needed land maintenance, and and all the people that surrounded them. Uh, a lot of people that were in the industries grew up doing similar things. So you, you know, there was tons of excavating companies that were involved through the 4-H club, and lots of local guys that are they're just great. That uh, you know saw you saw you as a part of it. Saw you as a good kid doing you know involved in the in the club and doing your volunteer work throughout the community. And, and right away they were you know more than willing to give you words of wisdom and and things like that. So. Mm-hmm. um, once again though just all all word of mouth and all all who i knew in the community it really wasn't what i knew it was it was who i knew i i didn't know anything Mm -hmm. um when i first got my machine i brought uh the the operator i worked with at the municipality he came out and helped me load it up in my trailer showed me how to offload it showed me how to move it safely um and that was it i i think i probably worked uh I usually worked probably two or three days a week, um, in the evenings for free, just on a property that needed some excavator work, just so I could practice, just pulling blackberries out, grading little areas, backfilling, digging, you know, just getting used to it. There was, there was a huge amount of hours that were, you know, weren't billable. Um, and, and those were just training hours and you had to be prepared for that. Um, you can't expect just to buy a machine and pick something up overnight. You really have to, uh, you know, follow up on it. Uh, maybe you were already experienced with it and you hopped on and, you know that's half the battle right there but for me it was you know learning how to run a business it was learning how to run a machine uh it was learning how to estimate it was learning how to do taxes you know you, you were wearing every every hat you had to um mm-hmm. you know just just to get it done so it, it was a good learning curve um and it was and in my opinion it was it was a great way to start i don't think i would have changed anything about how
0: it started did did you find that you outgrew the 17 pretty quickly i am the reason i ask is because i I, i've done some side jobs myself over the years and last summer um we rented a 17g to do a little uh little job for a buddy of mine up island and it it's it does not have a lot of reach um and i'm just curious i I don't have nearly the experience on a machine that you do but i'm just curious how you found uh, a little machine like that you know you can do the tighter more technical stuff but did you have issues when it came to Loading trucks or moving piles multiple times, just because you were a little bit limited for reach, or were you renting more machines at that time as you needed bigger stuff, or how did you kind of get around the shortcomings of having a really small machine?
1: Um, it,
0: it was it. It's I wouldn't say we outgrew it in any way. Um,
1: I would say you know we started with that 17, and we still do a ton of 17 work. Um, it's it's our most profitable, really. Uh, it's it's the you know smallest machine. It's easy to rent, or it's a low machine to low cost to buy. Uh, your fuels minimal. Any of your overhead costs are pretty minimal. You're not working with uh, tandem loads of gravel. You're not hauling out 100 loads of fill and bringing in you know 120 loads boxes of gravel. Uh, you you know you might bring bringing in a few yards and taking out a few yards, and everything's everything's a lot simpler. And um, you know there's there's a lot of that. Um, you know, once again, that was a niche in itself. So I find that we still do a lot of 17 work. I don't necessarily own that 17, um, but we don't turn away from it. We have good relationships with our local, you know, rental company. Uh, rentals up here is great, and and we have, um, you know, with our relationships with them, we're we're still able to make good profit off these jobs because there's lots of other parts of it. Um, where we can be making money. Uh, a lot of people in, in our town run the big, big jobs. They got big machines. They've got trucks. They've got things like that. They need to keep those big jobs going, and these, um, you know, little machines kind of get pushed to the side. We get a lot of small machine work from big excavation companies. Um, there's a, quite mm-hmm. a few bigger ones in town that, you know, when they see these jobs, they say no, no, you know, call Damien um because it's a whole nother side of things there's there's you know a whole a big difference between working beside a house or in a backyard or working in and out beside a house than there is just digging a hole um out in Langford or the hillside or you worked at a quarry for years and years it's it's a whole nother animal um and and it's definitely a, a thing of its own so we like to stay with it um obviously as as i grew there was opportunity to do bigger jobs that were equipment related and it's always good to sort of stay on top of that to start renting was great and it is great and I would still do that way or once again hiring another owner operator when you get them. Uh, we have bought a larger machine this 100 size machine and and it's definitely not the most profitable machine and there's way more competition way more competition with that size machine than any of the 17 work we have. Um, mm. But it, it leads to more work for us in the sense of now we're able to take on a start to finish excavation job. So if you aren't able to do the first part of the dig and dig that house and, you know, rip out the old one or, or all of the above, um, you know, and and someone beats you to it, well, they might say, Hey, you know, we dug your house and, and, and everything else. And our machine can backfill it and our machine can still dig water lines and this and that, and, and you could lose on a lot, lot more of that scope of work until it gets to the point where, um, you would just need to, um you know hey we just need a little 17 now that everything's done everything's backfilled everything's in you got to work around sidewalks work around patios so um you're always limited to sort of that that little part of it um so these bigger Mm -hmm. machines can sort of involve you for for longer of it they can sort of keep you busy but it's not necessarily larger profit jobs Um, you could have larger overhead for longer um you know there's there's a good variety to that so i'd say you know um there's there's not really any outgrowing machine sizes um, but there's outgrowing um, there's outgrowing certain
0: certain jobs. Okay. So I, I know you personally, so I, I, I know kind of a bit about the machines that you own and the decisions that you've made with regards to brands and stuff. but uh, I'm curious if you'd just talk us through a little bit how you've made uh, the purchasing decisions that you have over the years. As I'm sure you know, a lot of people in this business are incredibly brand loyal. You see it on the Facebook groups. Uh, One guy says deer's crap. Another guy says they're amazing. Same thing for Bobcat and every other brand. Um, I tend to think that, you know, they're they're all big. They all make probably good stuff and bad stuff, just like with auto manufacturers, but uh, proximity to dealer obviously is a consideration. And I'm just uh, curious to chat with you about this because you've had a number of different brands um, one of which I can think of offhand is definitely not uh, local to us in terms of uh, dealership. So can you kind of walk us through your purchasing decisions over the year? You had a 17, you mentioned a 60 and a 10 ton. So kind of what, how have you, how have you made those, uh, those steps over the years and what brands did you choose and why?
1: Um, it it always comes down to, you know, the machine you're looking for and the cool thing about having all these different brands and having access to Cat and Hitachi and John Deere and Volvo and Bobcat and all this is there's a lot of competition, um, which works well for us, the consumer. So there was a lot of research in it because not everyone necessarily made the same size machine. Um, you know, Cat kind of owns the market for the most variety of sizing with. Um, you know, a one ton, a one and a half to so, so on, versus a lot of other companies might have a 17 to a 35 to a 50 to an 85, all the way to a 145, uh, which is pretty common. Um, so, you know, it, it really comes down to sort of picking where do you want to see, see yourself with, um, you know, scope of work. Uh, Kubota, for example, I know a lot of diehard Kubota guys, but they only focus on eight tons less. So you might really love Kubota, but you're looking for a new 200. So right there, you're 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 out of there. So you're looking at a different machine and a different brand um, because of that. So. You know certain certain companies have reputations for certain size equipment or uh certain maybe it's a wheel loader or someone's got the better skid steer through the industry just you know that's what people claim I uh, won't get into any any brands or mentioning it or starting any fights here but yeah there's there's certain aspects like that so for me it was always looking at the sizing first so it was that 17. um everyone sort of made a 17 so it was a good, once again a good variety and i had looked at a lot of other companies um, over Cat before I had bought theirs and I just found for me especially starting and being not so knowledgeable and kind of needing a little more guidance and everything like that to have a local dealership with a good reputation that had the machine in stock the inventory and everything right there they sort of nailed everything on the head I knew I was going to be looked after I knew you know service and parts were local I was I was going to be able to sit down the road and pick something up versus driving two hours up island um, you know a, a few things like that and then as I moved on and I was looking at a next size, my jump up was to a 58 size machine. And that was because I found, um, six, ton units were just the most versatile for what I do. They just fit on every job. I wasn't turning down work because my machine was too small or too big. I could sneak in all these tight places, but I could still get on a bigger job and, you know, really move some earth if I had to, or dig a deep hole. Um, so I was really happy with that. Once again, I wasn't set on any brand. I wasn't necessarily just set on cat. There was a lot of, Variety in those brands. Um, just about every manufacturer makes a six-ton machine, so I, I shopped around, and, and a big part of it was sitting in the machine and seeing what you liked and you didn't like. Uh, there are lots of brands that vary significantly in, in features, and that could be something as different as the seat or how the joysticks run, or you have a foot pedal boom over a thumb switch, um, and things like that that could really, you know, for you be be a factor
0: into your your decision. Um, so on top, on top of the that switch is always the right choice though right well i
1: i got i got used to it on my little 17 and and i uh, i didn't like <laughs> yeah. it so um you know i was happy to have it but uh no no, no for a lot of guys it is it's just that much simpler because you're you're. it's all in the hands um so i i get it and then another one obviously is who's going to look after you the best so you know if someone's down the street versus a few hours away that's always nice but um you know in vancouver island it just because they're a few hours away doesn't mean they're necessarily a few hours away if i my right now, I own a Volvo, and their their shop's two hours away, but their text just down the road. Um, you know, if I have a breakdown, they're they're still servicing all the Volvo's in your area and everything like that. They 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 wouldn't treat you any different. Um, so you know, you can't always let that activity. It's it's a lot different than maybe if you're on the mainland somewhere, and you know, it, it's it's we're talking hours and hours, and you know, they're not necessarily in your town all the time, or or things like that. That's definitely something to consider. Um. So, so that was a big factor for us as well, um, you know. And then really, it was coming down to pricing. Pricing is always, always something. Ever, luckily, once again, there's pretty good competition, so there's never usually too big of a gap. There's always some machines that might have a little more creature comforts that you enjoy, and obviously that that comes with a cost. Um, but once again, service was a huge thing. So with our Volvo, we bought uh, uh, a fair amount of aftermarket attachments. We run a tilt rotator on it. We run a variety of grapples and and a grade beam and and all these sort of things so what that meant um was more service and and um you know who could provide that so volvo was the only one who could do that service in-house so our our machine our tilt rotator um is all maintained in-house any of the attachments we need any of the parts we need or anything is all ordered in-house it's all ordered through volvo and steel Risk direct um versus everyone else would have had had another shop do it they would have had to get a third party shop they would have someone over on the mainland most likely who would have had to take a ferry over they wouldn't have been local they would have had to charge you for the ferry they would have had to sort of you know have have all these extra travel costs um to come out and service your machine and and you know that's a huge that's a huge factor if you're not uh if you you know our, our tech's an hour and a half away worst case scenario if you're a couple days away that's a big difference um and there could be big costs. It could be a warranty issue. It could be something really simple, but uh, just because of it, you know, you still had to pay for those ferry fares. You still had to pay for that service tech time. Um, you know, there, there was a lot of factors there. So um, that was a huge thing for us. And and why I'm super supportive of Great West Equipment, especially for this, is we rely heavily on these attachments and for to have a one stop shop. Um, you know, great service. The pricing was there. The relationships were direct, so you were you weren't having all this markup as it changed hands. Um, you know, you had options for factory installs to just shave costs off of uh, shipping. Uh, that was a huge cost for attachments is is shipping and freight. It's not something you think about, but I mean, there's a lot of weight there. So having these factory install options was a huge thing that motivated us to look at some of their other equipment. Um, you, you know, there, there's definitely other options um and things you have to think about necessarily mm-hmm. if you're not just buying a, a machine you could be buying a machine with a, a breaker and uh maybe once again that breaker is through a vancouver dealer so you don't necessarily have parts direct to you versus the other guy's breaker is made locally or service locally um, and that can be a huge advantage to you so um definitely oh, oh, mm-hmm. always something to think about that way
0: um depending on what machine you're going with so you've got a couple different brands now um, your uh, six ton machine. Uh, that's a Volvo. Um, you mentioned you've got a tilt rotator on that. So I'm looking at your Facebook page right now. And there's a picture of you sandwiched between uh, two foundations uh, building and looks like a foundation for a new build. Uh, you got the, the machine spun sideways and the buckets 90 degrees to the machine and you look like you're scraping out some mud, something that you definitely would not be able to do without that tool. So those cost a lot of money, obviously, and would be a challenging decision for uh, for a new owner-operator to make. Uh, there's another guy uh, I know, Evan Zeimer, sorry, Evan, if I said that wrong, uh, up in Vernon, who's got uh, Kubota with a tilt rotator on it that's similar to yours. And just the versatility, I follow him on Instagram too, and, and the stuff he's able to do with it is really amazing. Uh, can you talk a little bit about... How you made that decision and you've got a bunch of different attachments. You mentioned a grapple. I know you've got kind of a land plane or a greater bar or whatever you call it. Um, That would have been a considerable expense up front. Uh, How has that allowed you to maybe take on jobs that other people couldn't um, work more efficiently or maybe save you money in the long run?
1: um well you kind of nailed it all there it you know those are all things that sort of have happened with it um you know at at this point it was something i first considered i just saw the versatility of what it adds and what i kind of saw it being was just less labor um for the other guy on the end and especially as an owner operator at the time you know that meant me that meant it was me not having to get out of the machine to to shovel something or, or rake something out or tidy something up or especially as i was learning you know um, I couldn't get things just quite perfect, so you always you're hopping out a bit here and there to get it right. It's it's 7:30 on a on a Friday night, and you're working an hour later than you thought you wanted to. So you're you're you know you're not trying to waste time in the machine, trying to you know just tough it out. You're you're hopping out and kicking those rocks out of the way and raking the grade in just right with your by hand, um, just because you know it'll be faster. So um, with the variety of work we take on, there was always a lot of labor and just kind of like it seems everywhere in, in North America right now, there's, there's not a lot of labor available. So when I was working by myself, it really spoke out to me because it just saved that much labor. So it meant that I could bid on jobs uh, competitively with other people, um, because I, I could do the same job that would take, uh, you know, Mike and, and his laborer, two days, I could do it in two days, but I could do it by myself so I could drop my price and and I could still kind of compete in that price range because I knew what Mike was going to charge, um, but I could do it more efficiently and and had less cost taken on. So um, there's definitely an appeal, especially if you're an equipment guy, you know, it's, it's neat. It's another toy and, and that sort of thing. But uh, there, there was some ambition there to, you know, just just have, you um, you know just work not, not work as hard really um right there that was my first motivation so then it started allowing me to take on trickier jobs um more challenging jobs just do things that more traditional machines could do if that was sloping or uh rock placement or just delicate demolition and and things like that um so it added to the variety of work that you could take on and sort of made you stand out against your competition um however there there was still a significant cost to this the attachments the tilt rotator the shipping the install everything like that almost added up to as much as the machine it was it was definitely 70 percent of it um which is a significant factor because i still charge close to the same hourly rate so you're competing with a guy who doesn't have all these attachments and what happens is uh mike's 150 bucks an hour and i end up being 175 well, they don't know the difference between the machines. They don't understand that there's a you know, whole variety of attachments that could save the money and time. They just hear, Hey, he's 25 bucks an hour cheaper. We went with him and you know, seven times out of 10, that'll happen. They just hear the number and it doesn't matter. They just hear the cheaper number and that's what they go with. Um, not knowing that maybe I could have done it in half the time or done a nicer restoration job or just done it, you know, a, a different way, more efficiently. Um, so what I have to do really to market that is I always have to kind of compete on a job as a price. Uh, and you have to factor in that um, these attachments won't make you more money hourly necessarily because of that, you know, mm-hmm. um, that issue of just intimidation of, of of a high price. You just have to take on those jobs um, competitively. So once again, if I knew Mike was bidding this job for 10 grand, because that's kind of market rate, that's what it's kind of going for. But I don't have to, uh, I'm going to be able to do it twice as fast because of the attachments I have and I don't have to have a laborer on the ground. Maybe I have a little 3D system as well, so I don't have to have a grade spotter. Um, so these are all attachments I've invested in that allows me to do a job in half the, half the time for the same cost. And that's where you have to bring money in on these attachments. Um, I know some guys locally that had some, and they've actually turned away. They've gone to you know thumb and bucket combinations because they just said it was huge cost. Um, it made them very efficient and they didn't know how to charge for it. They weren't bidding jobs. Mm-hmm. They were doing a lot of hourly work and it was hard for them to, you know, sort of charge that much more hourly because once again, you, you lose when someone hears, oh, Mike's that much cheaper. I'm, I'm just jumping with them. They hop with it. They don't understand um, the details behind it. And then also, how do you charge hourly efficiently to, to make your money back on attachments that could cost as much as the machine? Um, so so there's a huge challenge there in, in trying to find it and it might not necessarily be your market. If you were a big uh, bulk out excavation contractor and that's where you're making your money, there's no point in, in spending what costs another machine on these attachments to do a variety of different work if they're not going to make the money for you. So um, they're very specific. I'd say they're very owner operator specific at this point. It, I can't really see them showing up in a big fleet of machines unless they had a dedicated guy who just just ran it. And that was that just because of the operating costs, um, the job specifics behind it. Um, you know there is maintenance and little things like that I'd say most of the issues I had with them were operator errors they were me as I learned and maybe you know uh, you get a funky angle going on and you didn't see the stick coming in and it just snagged a wire on the harness or little things like that um, there's always that a factor so that that's a huge one right there um, but uh, it's it, you know there's no going back at this point I've, I've been above mm-hmm. above appreciative of it it's you get used to it the abilities that are there it, once again, allows me to do a variety of work that maybe my class of machine wouldn't normally be able to do. You know, that photo you saw Mm -hmm. and we're referencing to, you know, I'd say that's more of a 35 job. You got to get in there and reach over, or maybe even a 17 job. But now I've saved myself money because instead of having to rent a smaller machine to do a job like this, this attachment lets me be more versatile and keep that work in house. Um, So now that money is going towards my machine, my equipment. It's not going towards a rental and the fuel for the rental and, and yada, yada, yada. Um, it's, it's something that I can keep in house. So there's certain, there's a lot of benefits. There's a lot of ups, there mm-hmm. are some downs and I definitely understand why not everyone has one. And I definitely understand why, you know, people would want one. Um, so, so there's, you know,
0: it, it all sort of depends. If you could just briefly touch on the learning curve with that, uh, I've been in a number of machines with tilt rotators and it, yeah, you know, I, I, like to think i'm a fairly competent operator but it uh, it just absolutely hurts my brain to try and think through you're kind of working in another dimension right every standard machine you know on a smaller machines you've got you've got a, a, a tilt or sorry a swing on the boom as well as the house but when you're turning your bucket sideways and you're rotating and you're digging in all directions it, it just like how long does it take to get good doing that? I mean, I, I just, it, it's, I feel like it would take me a long time to be able to work three-dimensionally like that. Uh, it's definitely a learning curve.
1: It, it doesn't happen overnight for sure. It's kind of like learning how to run a machine all over again. And I'm sure for everyone it's, it's a little different. Um, you know, I am always learning how to use it more efficiently or a little more little yeah a little more strategically than uh, that. Usually watching some YouTube videos or Instagram videos and another guy going oh you know I never thought to run my bucket that way or use my grapple like that or um, you know be able to work material that way. Um, so the, once again huge huge learning curve. It probably took me a good three weeks of unbillable hours before I started billing with the tilt rotator. Uh, I was on a pretty large project. I was building a a pretty significant water feature. It was about 2,500 square feet. And it was the first job I did with it. And um, I just told the homeowner, I just said, you know, he was a good friend of mine. And I just said, listen, I'll charge you for my labor. And if you can cover the fuel, I won't charge you the machine. um, Because I'm going to be slow. I'm going to be taking my time. I'm going to be spilling stuff. I, you know, I'm still getting used to it. And it's just not something I can, you know, charge a market rate on. So luckily for me, I had a good relationship with him. There was no worries there. And he was happy and and excited for me to have this machine. and and everything like that so it was a good start but it it would be really tough for a lot of guys if you got to hop on a billable job you know i got a driveway demo i got to do tomorrow that i just underbid mike on by 500 bucks and you know i i I got to do it in an efficient time but if it takes me twice or three times as long because i'm learning how to use this machine all over again or you know i keep spilling loads because i tilt my bucket sideways and you know i'm not used to those controls. it's it's tough it's tough for sure so it's it's definitely one of those things where Mm -hmm. just like when i bought 17 kind of had to work for free you kind of have to learn it you you need a safe space to practice and um, luckily I had lots of friends that sort of uh, you know were totally understanding of it and uh, yeah it it took me a good good few weeks to really get used to it and that could be Mm -hmm. all the little differences of just you know your quick attach um, obviously you know reaching into a pile with your bucket backwards and then you know turning it sideways and leveling yourself out without spilling it Uh, we were working with bird's eye and a lot of like fine material that would just slough out like, like nothing. Um, you know, there's a lot of spillage and things like that. You you know, I'd say the hardest thing Mm -hmm. that I still get the odd, you know, kind of frustration with is, um, just, just hooking onto attachments at a funny angle. You know, you could leave your, attachment up on a hill and you're sitting completely out of whack to it and you use the tilt rotator and you're going in and you're just trying to hook onto it and um, you know there's there's a whole finesse to it once you start getting all these compound angles and things like that so um, once again something to consider something to consider that you don't necessarily just buy this attachment and you pop on it and you're a whiz and that's that you start making money like crazy it could take you even longer you might have a crew where the machine split between three guys so it's not one guy sitting on it all day every day getting good in a month maybe it's three guys and it you know takes six months before all three guys are at par with it um mm-hmm. you know i have another uh, it, it makes it challenging to uh, hire employees and find employees to run the equipment too um you know i i have a really good operator who works with me uh part-time and he was actually the one who taught me how to run a machine he's phenomenal in it but you throw him in a machine with a tilt rotator and and it's like riding the bike all over again so um, mm-hmm. You know, it took a few jobs, like quite a few jobs, for him to get comfortable on it. And I had to set him up in an area where I could just say, "Hey, Tom, you know, I'd, I'd like you to come out and just play in the machine. I'll, you know, pay a few few bucks for your hourly wage, or if you want to eat some of it free and hang out extra, um, you know, it's much appreciated. But I just want to give you somewhere where you can play stress free. You don't want a homeowner watching you wondering why it's taking so long. You don't want to be embarrassing yourself because people are watching you and you can't get your bucket on right, or um, you're trying to figure out." You know, what button you hit that you didn't realize you hit and now your attachment won't come off or little things like that. You might snag a hose because you're not used to how far your boom, you know, your your bucket can curl into your boom, um, you know, when you're swinging around and things like that. There there was a lot of factors um, and there was a lot of, um, you know, easily... I don't know how to say it you know you could cause damage real fast you you added a 18 inch extension to the end of your boom your factory design wasn't meant to have that you can be putting your bucket in your cage you can be smashing up windshields you can be yanking hydraulic lines off your boom by yourself oh for sure um, you yeah can, you can be smacking into undercarriages so th- there's just a huge learning curve that uh it, it's tough to have and it's, it doesn't matter how good or how experienced you are you know tom had 25 years running equipment and is a phenomenal operator but you know for the first two weeks he was right back at ground one and now he can run it comfortably he's got that muscle memory and i have a guy who can hop into the machine um i have a full-time operator who ran tilt rotators before and an issue we had was there wasn't a standard control so it's not like cat and john deere controls um you know every shop could set things up differently so i think there is somewhat of a universal pattern out there but it's it's such a new thing to the market that. It all depends on the tech so um for example when my operator came aboard he was used to running a tilt rotator but the controls were inverted so we have to switch the roller switch right. every time i hop in and out of it because um you know my roller switches were set for turn turn left to right and his were for right to left so um and is the,
0: in your machine is that electronic can you just go into the computer and just change it over
1: so you can you can it's um it's also we actually just have the switch is really easy to actually just physically pull out and flip 180 and put back in. And uh, okay. you're probably not supposed to do that, but uh, that's what we end up doing, but there is a control. So you could get in there for, I know for the steel wrist, I'm not sure how it is for Kong and Roto Tilt, but steel wrist, you can have a little display. I, I do have a little display in my machine and I can change those controls every time. Um, now it takes a few minutes to do, so that's why we just pop the roller switch out real quick and roll it the other way. And luckily it's only the right, the right side. The, uh, I think it's the tilt is opposite for us, but the rotates the same. Um, so once again, just a weird little thing, right? Cause you could hire this guy knowing he's got 10 years of experience on a, on a tilt rotator and his controls are completely backwards and maybe he's got a machine where you can't switch it. So now he's got to mm-hmm. relearn and fight that. It would just be like running, running cattle your life to hop on a guy who's all drawn deer. You got all these old bagaches with no switches or old John deers with no switches. And, um, you're, you're, you know, doesn't matter how much experience you are. You're, you're back at back at the start.
0: Oh, it's like being a baby again. I cannot run deer controls. I can't do it. And you see these debates online, guys say they can run both. I've never met anybody who can run both. I'll give you 20 bucks out of my wallet. If I see it with my own eyes, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But kind of moving forward a little bit. So you've got the tilt rotator, you're taking on jobs that are a little bit unique. Um, now it's 2023. You've been in business for a few years. Uh, are you still all word of mouth? Um, are you getting work, uh, still from other contractors? Or are you doing any marketing? How's, how's the workflow now? Um,
1: you know, mostly right now it, it is word of mouth. We sort of got out there with, uh, you know, social media, we stay out there that way. Now, social media sort of allows you in my mind to connect more broadly. And my biggest advantage of social media is more to connect with people elsewhere in the world who might have similar equipment or different equipment. And it gives you a chance to connect with them on why they like to use it or how they use it differently. And, And allows you to bring something that you know you've been watching the same guys work for the last 20 years now you see someone from out of town who's doing something different it might might benefit you hugely so um we we don't really advertise a whole lot on social media because i don't i don't really find it it attaches uh, um attracts the direct attention of the locals um luckily for me it, it really is word of mouth we have a few regular contractors that we work for and those guys are great we we try and be loyal to them Um, and, and, and just, just keep up with them. And, and these relationships have been going strong and and that's something that really keeps food on our table is just having these regulars. Mm -hmm. Um, we've sort of branched out to sort of having the funds to start looking at, um, you know, internet, uh, advertising, you know, getting a bit of a better website, getting some search engine stuff together. And I I think that is, you know, it's definitely an important aspect of any business. A lot of old school guys aren't interested in it because the word of mouth's going well. Um, But, you know, these days, the first thing anyone does is is they Google it. So we've definitely um, been looking into it. We've definitely been trying to sort of get into it. It's, It's tough. When you're busy, um, and you do always have to sort of budget it in, and it, and you know it might be tough for the first guy to start getting that marketing budget. You know, you could be spending fifteen hundred bucks, two thousand dollars, maybe twenty five hundred bucks a month for the first year, two years to just get get up to snuff. Um, and if you don't mm. have that operating budget, then it's it's just not something you're going to prioritize. So definitely, as a small business. Um, you know, with with strong word of mouth, um, it, it's always something you're kind of procrastinating on. But uh, it's definitely something we'd like to work on over the next, uh, you know, year or two because it, it definitely attracts new clients. Uh, there's only so much jobs you get word of mouth, especially in our town. It's a lot of people moving off off island. Um, a lot of the locals are still here and they're still keeping you busy, but everyone else is a changing face. All these people that are buying properties and sold off in Alberta or the prairies and have come here to get a little hobby farm and this and that they don't, they don't know anyone in the community and, and they don't, uh, necessarily have anyone to, to get a good opinion on. So the first thing they're going to do is they're going to hop on Google and search excavation contractor or landscape contractor, and, uh, they're going to go with who pops up. You know, I can tell you right now, I've never scrolled past the first page if I, if I need a uh, locksmith or a plumber or, or a mechanic or something like that it's whoever's right up there and you give them a call and no oh, yeah, these guys got a five-star review that's it that's you know it could be as simple as that so um you know and i think that's for a lot of people i would be really surprised if if you told me that you had a buddy who oh i never call anyone on the first page of google i always go to the second page because they give me a better deal or um you know I, I i call through all top 10 of them and then and then go from there it's usually one or two people you call and, and that's about it so um, yeah, once again, it's definitely something we would like to get into and, and definitely be aware of because uh, it's it's an important part to to grow in a business.
0: For sure. Yeah. Um, it, it's It's a hard thing to kind of quantify. Um, what What I would say is this, um, there's a ton of opportunity for up and comers right now, um, young, ambitious, or older ambitious people who want to get in the business and they want to compete with these multi generational companies that have been around for, you know, 50, 60, 70 years in some cases, um, they're not. Necessarily looking uh, for the small clients, the homeowners, the um, small contractors to partner with. And so they're often less concerned about marketing in general, whether social media or search or whatever it is you're doing advertising but there's a new generation of homeowner who's out there. And the first thing they're doing is, is going to Google or going on social media and find out who's out there. Right. So when I go to your Instagram page, you know, that to me is you've sold it, you know, you see your machine down at the ocean doing all kinds of cool jobs. And I just think there's so much potential there that people are, are not utilizing, you know, the average person doesn't know much about excavating and they don't really have a lot of access to that world. So getting to be, you know, in the machine on a GoPro, loading a truck or throwing logs or or just doing something. It's, it's just people like that. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Absolutely. It gives them, it's a big visual one because, um, you know, uh, the hardest thing I have, um, going into a lot of these jobs is I could show up at your place and you're like, you know what man, I've I've got this backyard, it's all rough graded and and we get puddles over here and you know I want to have a flat usable space and a good barbecue patio and I want it to drain over there and I could show up and go, oh, Mike, easy peasy, you know I can, you slam it in there, you run a drain there, we touch that up and and you're good to go and you could be like, no, I I can't see it, I can't see it, I can't visualize that. How how does that work? How does that? Um, you know, how, can you show me what that looks or what kind of machine would that be? You know, Hey, you know, Oh, I got a 58 size machine. It's a six time machine with the toe rotator. And you're going, well, uh, I don't know what that means. So um, that social media and, and documenting that and sharing all this stuff is a huge visual impact for a lot of people. And um, mm-hmm. it can break a few barriers in the sense of um, someone might be scrolling through and they follow you and you know, that's kind of that. And then they see, Oh, well, look at that job Damien did for Mike. That's what we need to do here. And I didn't, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know oh, okay, no, I thought that wasn't the right machine for it. Or I thought, you know, we couldn't do that because our ground was, uh, you know, draining this way and and things like that. And um, it's a very good visual um, for people that catches their attention and sort of gives it a lot of appeal. So you could show a finished product of this gorgeous patio or maybe someone's fill site and they just had a ravine of a backyard you know, and you brought in a few, you know, a few hundred loads or something and it filled it right up and all of a sudden these guys gained another mm-hmm. few thousand square feet. Someone could go, well, you know, we got that at our place. Why don't we be doing that? I never thought about it or I didn't know that was possible. And and those visual aspects really help a lot of people who aren't in the industry. Um,
0: and that's who your I you're going um, to see more people who hmm. aren't in the industry. Yeah, I want to see more time lapse videos. I think uh, I, I love watching that stuff when you, you kind of get a high mounted camera. And you're installing a driveway or grading a piece of land or clearing or doing whatever you're doing and just like let it run for eight hours and then kind of do a a high speed time lapse i love that stuff because then you can kind of see the whole thing come together i agree i agree they're a good way of doing it and there's a lot of guy high there's quite a few water feature
1: pages that i follow and they're the time lapse guys that's where you see and i'm always blown away because they'll have hey this is a four-day project and you see it start to finish on a time-lapse and you're just, you know, you're blown away at the progress and the transformations, you know, especially those jobs are very visual. They're very satisfying to see uh, a really ugly corner of your backyard turned into a cool flowing waterfall and a nice little planted area. And uh, I I agree. It's definitely, um, I, I think it really helps, the people who aren't in the industry and get, you know get a sense and they could you know look at uh, a mountain of rock they got in their backyard and go oh man it would take an extra weeks and you know how would we ever do that and and uh you know w- what do you do and then you see this time lapse of uh you know 200 with a hammer that just you know plows through a boulder and they go well why didn't we do that you know this guy did it in a day and that's how it got done and you know i didn't realize we could do that and and that, that's a big thing for people is they just don't know there's tons of things same for me i'm i'm not uh when it comes to residential construction. I really don't know anything inside the house. So I'll see buddies who, um, you know, did a renovation and they tore a wall out and, and, you know, out of the skylight here. And I thought, oh, you know, I didn't know you could do that. That totally makes sense. So now that's something I could take over to my place. And I'm going to call these guys to do it uh, because I saw how good it looked over at Mike's place. Um, You know, that's very Mm. universal. And uh, it it is an important side to marketing. It's, you know, like I said, I don't think I get a lot of clientele from my Instagram or, my Facebook page um, but I think a lot of clientele rely on it so someone might approach me mm-hmm. you know looking for something and I say well you go check out my Instagram and give it a reference and then right there that's that's that and that uh, that helps sell the products they, they look through they get a good variety of what's going on um, and that helps them
0: visualize for sure so we're getting close to an hour here we're gonna start kind of wrapping things up but I've got one more question for you um, what would you tell somebody starting out right now Uh, someone brand new uh, maybe they got a bit of experience operating they really want to get into the business Um, you know you know the type of uh, the type of person like you who uh, wanted a little more than uh, being just an operator wanted the opportunity to make more money have a bit of pride of ownership with the machine um, but they can't you know necessarily see themselves bridging that gap like what would you say to somebody who's either thinking about going out on their own or has just done it and uh, maybe has some doubts, what, what would you tell that person? Um, I think,
1: well, there's, there's definitely quite a few things that I could say just out of experience. I think the, the most important one is, is finding that big brother, big sister um, You know, with that sort of company. Uh, you might be new, new to the industry and uh, I'm just gonna reference this because uh, I know you and, and this is a past experience. You, you could have been working for the, the trucking excavating company you were working for you branched out mm-hmm. on your own with your own machine and it was different than than the one they had. And you said, you know what, if you guys give me a call, um, you know, when you need a hand, I'll give you a really good deal on this machine. So you guys can make money and it saves you the hassle of, um, you know, going around. And, and then, you know, you call me up and you say, hey, Damien, you know, I, I bought a 35 and I know you don't have one. You have a 60 or 100. So, you know, I'll give you a good deal on it. If, um, you know, and it just saves you from renting one and, and having to put a guy in it and, you're not used to the machine so you know i'm getting pretty used to it and, and i think i could do things a little more efficiently than you could um you know I, I think that's very important that's it's it's a bit of uh security you might be able to say oh you know what? i had a pile of 35 work that i couldn't get to because i didn't have the right machine um so I, i'm going to get mike to come in and do it with me or do it for me and and that sort of thing and and that's uh that's that's good and you, you got to know that these guys you know hopefully you have a relationship with them before So, you know, these guys are going to pay you, uh, you know, you can ask for a deposit. Um, That's kind of the other big, big one for any starting business is is having cash flow. Um, And if you can be working for people that, you know, will pay, you know, are going to give you deposits, you know, um, you can trust in a way uh, that's that's huge. That takes a lot of the intimidation factor out of it and and allows you to get going. Um, I think you always got to be honest with people, um, especially as you're starting out, you know, maybe... You're new to the machine and you just sort of say, you know what, hey, I, I know Mike's going to be able to do it, um, you know, a couple hours, couple hours quicker than I can. So I'm going to charge you the same price, but I just want you to know I might might take an hour or two longer just to get it right. But, you know, the price difference is not there. If you show up and, and you've quoted the job at five hundred dollars and I quoted it at four fifty and I take two hours longer because I'm the rookie on the machine. I can't say, well, I got to charge you six. It's still a four hundred and fifty dollar job. Um, so you got to stick with your word. Uh, you, I, I'd say you got to you know find find a good relationship, build a good relationship with maybe another contractor, maybe um, another guy in the excavation industry. you might be buying that 35 because you see how busy your buddy is with the 145 and you know now you two can tag up and, and work together on these jobs. There's always a, a need for a variety of equipment in the industry and that's what makes it challenging um, for us is there's so many different sizes so, once again, just just building on those those relationships, I think is key for any starting business. Uh, whether that's to build job security, so you know that you've got work working for your buddy's company. Maybe that's just to build uh, reliable cash flow. You know that when you work for Mike, Mike's going to pay you biweekly and and give you a deposit on each of these jobs, so you can you know keep growing your company accordingly. Um, and it's, 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 you know, just, just good word of mouth. It might, it might also help you learn something. You might be able to work with someone who's a little more established in, in the industry and you spent your whole time doing landscape and now you're learning a bit more about civil and it lets you grow again. Um, you know, don't, don't think of these guys as competition. Um, you know, th- think about them as, as someone to work with instead of against.
0: Yeah, that, that really is key in my opinion. Um, Damien, thank you for being here. Thank you for- insight um it's been fun to kind of watch you grow uh just through social media and through our conversations in person um, for people listening to this where can they find you where do you like people to follow you on is it instagram
1: uh, it's definitely instagram you know uh we've got an instagram page it's newton valley excavating all one word um, and we try and be as active as we can we do find that we fall behind during the busy season as it's kind of the last thing on, on my mind, but we, we always try and keep it up to date and sort of give a, a good idea of what we're up to and what we can take on. And um, yeah, we're always happy to share what, uh, what we think on, on our Instagram page.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll leave a link to your Instagram page in the show description. Damien, thank you again for being here. We've appreciated having you on. Uh, this is the breaking ground podcast by Rank Master. If you're interested in getting more leads coming into your business, Visit us at rankmaster.ca. Hope to hear from you. Cheers.